Hello and welcome back to Tapping Into Crypto, the podcast for all things cryptocurrency, whether you're a beginner, a Bitcoin veteran or just crypto curious. I am your host, Alicia Chapman, and today I am joined by Kyle Tart from Pinata. Kyle, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I cannot wait for our chat today. Doing research for this episode, of course, what you've created, it just makes so much sense. And of course, we need you in the world. But it's something that I feel like a lot of people don't know about. So can you let us know before we get into Pinata and all the things that it does, a little bit about your story and how you came to be in the crypto world? Yeah, so I jumped in full time into crypto in 2017. So I quit my job in April of 2017. You know, I was interested in Bitcoin and then uh, in, in 2015 and was very interested in Ethereum in 2016 and this idea of smart contracts. And I thought, you know, what smart contracts were going to enable. Uh, was absolutely fascinating. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn the crypto space back in 2015, 2016. There's not a lot of information out there, you know, back then. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, a little bit on Twitter, maybe a little bit on Reddit, but relatively difficult to learn the space. But I, you know, I tried as much as I possibly could. And then by April of 2017, I felt comfortable enough to quit my job and just said, hey, I'm going to jump into this space and try to figure out uh, how to build a company on this technology in one way or another. I didn't have like a company idea. I didn't necessarily, you know, know where I was going to go. I just knew I wanted to build a company using this technology or being a part of the ecosystem generally. So that's how I got into crypto. And then, you know, I've, I've stayed through all of its ups and downs and have a lot of fun doing it. My gosh. And we were talking just before we hit record, this week has been a bit of a doozy um, in the crypto world. There's been a lot happening yeah. and it is so hard to keep writing, but especially, you know, going through those previous bear market cycles, it is something that I just think it one takes a lot of conviction, but two, it just requires a really good team around you as well, which I know, I know you have as well. And I can't wait to dive into that. The question that we, of course, ask everyone to the podcast is what was your very first crypto purchase and do you still have it now? Uh, yeah, it was Bitcoin. Um, of course, and of course. I do not actually have any Bitcoin anymore. I transferred over into Ethereum back in, in 2016 and then have ha actually stayed there the whole time. Oh, a good move, actually. Like, of course, they're, they're both great returns, but moving over to ETH, you would have seen a great return on that one as well. So, yeah, no, it was. Uh, so what I learned, so I'm not I'm not a day trader or anything like that. I learned very quickly back then uh, <laughs> that I was really good at losing money trading. So uh, I just decided, you know what, I'll just sit with it and, and let it ride and try to build a company on the side. I love that. I love that. And the company is something that I'm so excited to dive into today. So you're a co-founder and CEO of Pinata. Now, this is used by OpenSea, DraftKings, Yuga Labs, and so many more. And you've got over 120 million files pinned. It might be higher than that now. But can you explain to us, for someone who hasn't heard about the concept, what Pinata is and how the idea for this actually came about? Yeah, absolutely. So what we are is we're the home for NFT media. And usually... When people think of that, they think of NFTs and visually what they're thinking of is the image or the video or whatever that media type is attached to an NFT. They're thinking of that. Ultimately, the majority of the space uses us to ensure that they can consume that content and, and view that content or listen to the content if it's music or, or whatever it ultimately ends up being. And so uh, to kind of separate out what an NFT is. It's, you know, the, the NFT or the token sitting on a blockchain. And then that token is pointing at 
a file or a piece of data somewhere else. That somewhere else happens to most of the time be pinata. And we're really focused on ensuring that when you're viewing it on a marketplace like OpenSea or in your wallet, or maybe it's actually on the project's website, that you're having a very good experience when you're consuming that content or media of whatever type. And I think it's something that a lot of people wouldn't even realize that this, of course, is going on in the background. Does this happen for every NFT, like that it needs some form of storage behind it? Yeah, absolutely. So the core like underlying issue that my co-founder Matt and I ran into back in 2018 when we were starting Pinata was this problem where storing data on a blockchain is really, really, really expensive. Um, I think back in 2018, the number was something like four and a half million dollars to store a gigabyte of data on Ethereum. Um, And so you need to be able to store it somewhere else. And that somewhere else happens to be a protocol called IPFS or the Interplanetary File System. And that's what we run on top of. And it has some like cryptographic security properties and, and some really cool things that make it successful. But yeah, every NFT effectively has to use something like IPFS to manage the significant amount of data. There's there's small parts of data that can be quote unquote on-chain, but the majority of big files, any file of you know any sort of size ends up having to be on something like IPFS and ultimately Pinata. And I think that's, again, like, you, you know, thinking about these NFTs, it's just coming back to that, remembering for these guys that it's not just an image, right? There's a contract behind right. it. And so there's all of that that needs to be stored and looked after as well. So there is obviously quite a lot of information that needs to be stored and verified, which yep. is really interesting. So when you were starting this, like, obviously, there's some huge names that have come across and started working with you now. How did those conversations start? Yeah, so uh, we launched in 2018. So backing up a little bit, uh, we launched at the ETH Berlin Hackathon in 2018. We were actually, uh, we ended up being one of the winners of that hackathon. And at the time, you know, we thought we were going to raise a bunch of money and, and take over the world and everything was going to go swimmingly for us. And unfortunately, that's not what happened. Effectively, nobody understood why we existed back then. Um, and NFTs were not a big deal. NFTs existed. My co-founder and I actually went to ETH Waterloo, where CryptoKitties launched back in 2017. And so we were at the hackathon where that project launched and understood NFTs early. But the problem was it just wasn't a big market. And I remember when we were trying to fundraise back then, I would tell investors that we were being used by NFT projects, but like they didn't even understand really what NFTs were, didn't think it was going to be that big of a market uh, all the way back in 2018, all the way until actually 2020, really. So what we ended up having to do is, you know, kind of just try to survive. So it was just Matt and I trying to survive. Matt was building the technology underneath, and I was just trying to call as many people as possible. And so, you know, we we started building relationships early, but they ultimately weren't customers, but they knew who we were. And so we were building our brand and we were going to hackathons and had a lot of credibility, especially on the, you know, the, the dev side or the technical side for these teams. And as NFTs started taking off in 2020, um, they already knew who we were and they knew why we existed. And so it was like, you know, we were right. But when you're right and you're early, it's the same thing as being wrong. We just happened to, you know, make that window wide enough for us to fit and ultimately end up surviving once NFTs started taking off. And so it was a lot of just, uh, yeah, building relationships in a bear market in 2018 and, and 2019. By time, you know, 2020, 2021 comes around, they already knew who we were. They started integrating us into their NFTs. And then after that point, everybody just kind of started 
integrating us into their their NFTs from there. And the the relationships and, and the big names that you see on our website actually came pretty organically after that. I think that's such a good point, Kyle, to really drive home as well, especially at the moment with, you know, a lot of blood in the water at the moment, but really reiterating that, you know, if you do have a good idea and you're working on something and you're so passionate about it, that work you do during the bear market will set you up for success because if that technology and that need for a problem to be solved is still there, then yeah, it's 100% you're going to be that person that's going to come through with that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of, I always think of it like this, in a bear market, you know, when you're trying to have a conversation, you don't have to be really loud. There's only a few people that are around. There's only a couple of people you can call on. But in a, you know, in a bull market, everybody's really, really loud and you, you kind of have to scream to, to be heard. Um, and so it makes it much more difficult. It's also much more expensive if you're thinking of it from like a, a marketing perspective, uh, you know, people tend to throw around a lot of marketing dollars. And, and so your ability to get your voice heard is actually really, really difficult in, in bull markets and relatively easy in bear markets. However, you know, finding customers is the tough thing. So that's where you kind of build credibility and show resiliency and show, you know, a lot of people in the space that you're in it for the right reason and you're going to stick around, right? Like that's the big thing is people can come and go in this space all the time. It's been a a thing that, you know, you see quite a bit, but if you're there in the bear markets, it's proving you're in it for much better reasons than, you know, some of these, some of these other projects or companies out there. Yeah. And that tenacity again is just going to help you thrive when the market does change as well. Yeah. It's really cool. Something that I loved reading through when I was doing research is on your website, you actually have a blog that literally takes you step by step how to do so many different things in the NFT world and concepts that I personally haven't even thought of or even scratched the surface with. It literally has a how-to guys on how to create some incredible things. One of them is token-gated projects. Now, before we dive into the how, can you explain what a token-gated project actually is? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what was interesting is in 2021, early 2021, we started noticing the space was token gating content on Discord. And so what this looked like is if you wanted to get access to a private Discord channel, you had to own an NFT. And so what they were doing is you'd come into Discord, uh, they would use this tool that would check whether or not uh, you own the NFT. If you did own the NFT, you could then unlock and have access to a private Discord channel. And then if you didn't own the NFT, obviously you were, you were kept out. And we, we were seeing that trend in, in early 2021. And we were like, why don't we just kind of simplify this flow? Because what they were using the private Discord channel for was file sharing. They were either sharing like a podcast or they were trying to share, you know, additional videos or images or whatever it was. And we're like, you know, we can simplify this and make this easier for people. And so what we did is created this tool called Submarine or Submarine.me, where effectively you say, hey, do you own this NFT? If you do, then you get access directly to the content, whether it's, again, videos or images or music. And we've seen quite a few projects are starting to go that direction to you know, provide additional content um, and be able to give extra utility around these NFTs beyond just you know the image or whatever the basic NFT was. This is the way that you can distribute content directly to your NFT holders. It's so good. And and the concept that we keep talking about. So what would this look like, for example, like, you know, you have a website, for example, with some exclusive content on there. And then this kind of checks in the background, whether you do hold that NFT. If you do, you then get access to that website. 
Yeah, that, so that is one use case. But what we actually get excited about is, you know, basically you can just share a link to a piece of content and it'll check your wallet and uh, you don't even have to go to a website, right? It's kind of share however you want. It could be in your, you know, in your wallet itself. You could view it on a marketplace and then uh, it checks your wallet. So we think the, the user experience around this is going to be iterated on quite a bit. I mean, it should actually make viewing content that you're ultimately paying for in some form, whether it's with the NFT or maybe there's a subscription associated with it or whatever, it's going to make the internet work a little bit better than today's paywalls and some of those things that you run into. Yeah, definitely. And even just stepping back with that, like, you know, I think this really, really leans into the next iteration of Web3. Like at the moment, we have to use these distribution channels to be able to gate something, you know, whether that's using Apple Podcasts and putting a subscription fee on it or something, you know, this just again puts the power back in your own hands as a creator to really, really allow you to decide what people get access to or don't in your on your own terms. Yeah, I get uh, that's what I get really excited about is ultimately the creator gets to build their own business model. If they want it to be ad based, they can make it ad based. If they want it to be a subscription, they can do subscription. If they want to do royalties or, you know, whatever it is that they want to do for their business model with, you know, buying and selling their content, they can they can come up with their own and, and use token gating to ultimately do that. And I think that's really cool because, you know, if you're on YouTube, for instance, Ultimately, the way that you make money is either through ads, and it's not like a great margin or cut that you're getting from that that ad network, or you're trying to drive them somewhere else. And when you're driving them somewhere else, whether it's to buy t-shirts or maybe it's Patreon or you know whatever whatever it is, uh, you're going to lose subscribers or lose you know the conversion for these for these creators. And and if we can just make that easier for them. Um, and they can be more innovative with it. And ultimately, it's theirs, their you know, ownership and agency and, and those types of things. Uh, we get really excited about that. Yeah, definitely. And is there a real world example that you're seeing that's doing this really well at the moment? Yeah, so we have projects that are doing it with music, I think is one of the most interesting ones where they are selling their NFTs and then you get access to the music. However, what's what's cool about it is they're controlling ultimately the experience around the, the music. And so it's, again, not on a, a platform or anything like that, but you're getting a, a much more in, incredible experience with the, the music itself. You know, it might have a video or it might have a customized music player or something like that. And that that's one that I'm, I'm thinking is just really really cool and uh, is kind of showing, again, you don't have to be on these platforms. So there's one other kind of component to this, and it's the fact that distribution of content can actually happen on Discord. It can happen in Telegram or through text, and it's not actually happening so much on, you know, like social media platforms anymore. And so if you if you think of that trend that's happening and, and where people are hanging out, um, it, it allows you as a musician um, to basically build your own communities and and share content the way that you want to do it. And we think that's that's really cool. Yeah. And as a creative and an artist, particularly a musician, like I, I know a lot of friends in the industry, they loved creating album covers and doing, you know, video clips and those sort of things. That was something right. they were so passionate about because it is that whole experience. It's not just a song, it's everything else that goes yep. back with it. You know, when it's just on Spotify, so much of that is lost in translation. You know, they don't get that whole experience or get to be part yep. of that process. So again, I think this is just going back to like full cycle that these people can really, really create this experience and this show kind of for, for everyone that's listening. 
And that translates across to any sort of industry, you know, as a course creator or something like that, you're able to control the whole thing rather than being confined by the platform that you're using. Yeah, I kind of always talk about Web2 platforms as like sameness as a service. Uh, it's like, it's very, everything's the same, right? You're you're in the same environment that your competitor's in or fellow artists or creators. And it's like, how are you going to differentiate if you're you're so contained um, and constrained by the, the platform itself? And ultimately, NFTs, uh, I think, unhooks us from, from those constraints and, and allows people to be creative again. Yeah, definitely. Now, this is a really cool concept in itself. And I know with, with NFTs in itself, like we always look back at projects in the past and just laugh at what we were doing and, and yeah. how we thought, you know, the utilization of that back in the past. I know that we're going to look back on what we're doing right now and laugh at what we're doing right now, thinking it's this huge, innovative, evolutionary thing. What do you think is coming next? What is that next stage for NFTs? Yeah, for us, so we believe that app NFTs is the next uh, iteration of NFTs. And the reason we think this is because we actually saw app NFTs all the way back in, back in 2018 when we first launched. And effectively, what it is, is just like your mobile app, or maybe it's a desktop app, you can upload a full application. So it could be a music player, it could be a game or, or something to that effect. And they're uploading it ultimately to Pinata, attaching it to an NFT, and then using the NFT Uh, for whatever their business model is. And we think that's going to continue to happen because it allows you to control uh, your distribution and allows you to control, you know, fees much better. OpenSea is like two and a half percent versus Apple is 30 percent to go through the Apple store. So if you think of OpenSea more like a app marketplace instead of as just an NFT marketplace, it starts to make a lot more sense. Um, And we think that as people, you know, start to understand that it NFTs are more than images. They're more than just videos. Um, this will become a commonplace in the market. Yeah. And on your your website again, like guys, I'll pop the link in the show notes so you can go check it out. Usually you have like how-to guides on how to do this as well. And yeah. reading through, it does seem, you know, something that's quite realistic, quite achievable that people could build this themselves if they really wanted to. How different yeah. is the development behind these apps compared to, you know, traditional web apps or what we have today? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really not that different. It's just kind of, again, you know, you're just attaching it to an NFT and then saying, you know, we're, we're going to use a blockchain of whether it's Ethereum or Solana or, you know, pick a blockchain out there. You're just attaching it to an NFT and controlling it that way instead of, you know, needing them to sign up with an email or, you know, having a count system associated with your with your app. You can just rely on the NFT sitting in a wallet. Um, so it changes the paradigm and it kind of, actually changes the technical overhead because you no longer have to manage all that. The blockchain is actually taking care of that for you and just, yeah, just makes it easier for you as a as an app developer. So once you start thinking in that paradigm, it's, it's very easy. What we've found and why we blog about it so much is we get to work with people that we believe are on the front end of NFTs every single day. But what happens is, you know, a lot of other people aren't thinking that way. And so what we like to do is work with our customers and our users and blog about these concepts and and tell people like, hey, this is possible. You know, we're not like totally right, but we're directionally right. And, you know, take this idea and then, you know, build it, build a better app or build a better NFT uh, based on, on our how-to guides. 
Yeah. And that's where the magic happens, right? Like it's, it's, you know, these ideas and these concepts in the tech. And if you put the tech out there, then everyone else comes up with these ideas and it might be something that you've never even thought of in like, or considered in the first place. So that's where that, that really exciting evolution comes through. With these apps, what's the user experience like? How does it differ to an app that I've got on my phone now? Yeah, I mean, ideally it shouldn't, other than you don't have to go through, at least for the app creator, they don't have to go through the Apple Store or the App Store or the Google Play Store. And again, it's just kind of changing the distribution model for the app developers themselves. What I will say is like, you know, mobile wallets in crypto are still a little clunky from a UX perspective. And, you know, so there's still hurdles there, but ultimately it shouldn't really feel that much different for you as the end user. And, you know, once we get to that point from a UX standpoint, I think you'll actually see quite a bit of adoption from it. Now on, you know, on your desktop, it's also, again, very similar, but it will go and and check the wallet to make sure that obviously you have the NFT to actually use the app. But outside of that, it's, it's, it should feel very, very similar. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's something we're seeing so much at the moment is so many data breaches. Like in Australia, especially, we've had a, a quite a few over the last couple of months. Like, again, just taking this ownership of your data and your verification and just really allowing that back to the user and, and empowering them to have control of that. And then knowing that it's secure as well, you know, in, in a different way to yeah. these huge databases and what we're relying on at the moment when we're seeing, you know, that fail so many times over and over again. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool paradigm shift. And, you know, I think it's, it's going to happen slowly. It's not going to happen overnight, but all of a sudden we'll, you know, look back and be like, wow, we, we really did kind of change the way the internet worked and ultimately data is, is controlled on the internet. Yeah. And why don't we do this sooner? <laughs> of course. Yeah. So good. Now, Kyle, you live and breathe this. You're in this world. You're seeing all these incredible things happen. We have had a rough couple of weeks. We have had a rough year, really. You know, there's been a yeah. lot of ups, a lot of downs, which you've been through before as well. What kind of cool technology innovations? Of course, there's the ones that we've spoken about. Is there anything else in the space that you're still excited about or seeing happen right now? Yeah, so even even just staying in the NFT space specifically, I think there's a lot of cool innovations that are happening with the NFTs themselves and like how their their contracts are designed. In the beginning, people thought of NFTs as collectibles or maybe art, um, and there was a lot of kind of talk about, hey, if that NFT is in my wallet, it absolutely cannot move and it needs to be mine forever. And if the NFT were ever to leave, that would be bad. But what we're seeing is people are innovating with using NFTs as a kind of permissioning mechanism and they can actually be revoked. Sometimes that's kind of controversial in the crypto space, but it's actually really cool because you can do new and interesting things with that. What those are exactly, I have no idea. I just, I know, again, if you throw that idea out there, I think people will will be able to innovate on it. And so it's kind of it's kind of those things. I always like to, you know, take Twitter rhetoric, especially in the crypto space and especially around NFTs. And if somebody's like, okay, my NFT has to last forever, I always like to flip it on its head and be like, okay, what if we created an NFT that lasts only for a second? Like what's the opposite of lasting forever? And what can that do for us as an NFT project or or somebody that's building in the space? And I was just trying to, you know, think a little bit differently about, you know, what's acceptable, if you will, in the crypto space and with NFTs. Yeah. And I think this whole conversation, you know, we are thinking really blue sky, like big picture stuff here and thinking about NFTs in a way that they're not, you know, traditionally being used right now. Do you think, again, with your knowledge in the space, do you think that we'll see the value come back into like PFPs and and all of those projects that we saw boom? Do you think that they're they're done or, or what are your thoughts on that? 
So if they ultimately build intellectual property and think of themselves as a media company or a gaming company or you know whatever the IP is that they're building behind the PFPs, they can absolutely come back. If they're just ultimately you know an image, that kind of is just something that got you know kind of silly in the hype bubble of, of NFTs and crypto. But if they actually build a brand and, and build a media company, you know whether it's like Disney or you know whatever it is, and, and they're using NFTs underneath as the mechanism to build that brand and that media company and ultimately the business model underneath, you know those those projects can definitely come back. But like I said, if if it's just the image, I do not think so. Yeah. And even neglecting the community, like you've seen a lot of people, you know, times is half and, and that Discord channel is just like petering out. There's, you know, not as many people, yeah. of course, engaging in the community, but then even the creators aren't in there as well. It's like, how can we ever build this back if you're, if you're not in it and still believing in those hard times as well, which is happening far too often at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. Carl, we've covered so much. And, you know, in this space, as we touched on in a bear market, there's so many opportunities still here. If someone's wanting to, you know, look at this and they've got an idea and they're wanting to use this time to really build something, I, I do think your blog is such a good place for them to learn so much. Any other words of wisdom that you give to anyone navigating their way through this time? Yeah, I mean, just be resilient. You'll you'll have very tough days, I think. And this is, I think, in entrepreneurship in general. But in this this industry, it's it's such a yo-yo, and the ups and downs are are so extreme that it, it becomes very difficult. And so, you know, if you are going to build in the space, just make sure that you're in it to actually build. And for me, you know, I love building Pinata itself and, and the company and the teammates behind Pinata give me a lot of strength and something to care about every day. Um, and so just make sure, you know, you're ultimately not in it just to make a, a quick buck. Well, thank you so much, Kyle. We'll pop everything in the show notes for you guys to check out and we will talk to you very soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.